Uh, so for this week, so you know, we've been doing these little <laughs> vague duality things. We did uh, fire and ice with the volcanoes and the freezingness. And then we did indoor and outdoor with the guy camping versus the creepy cartoon, <laughs> the smiling friends. So this week I thought we could do day and night, kind of. <laughs> so, so the two most famous superheroes in the world, arguably, Batman and Superman. And that's what they always used to say when I worked at a comic shop is like, Superman is the daytime one and Batman's the nighttime one. So it's day and night. But honestly, really I had this idea just because we watched a cartoon last week and it made me think about cartoon history. But then afterward, I'm like, oh, you know, I can find a... I mean, that's how easy it is to be pretentious. You know, you can always come up with some, but it sort of connects. Because, yeah, like, I'm really not that into DC Comics that much, but Superman and Batman, it is a pretty interesting duality of those two. But I always like Batman way better. To me, Superman is kind of boring. But we'll get into that when we get with Superman, because there's some stuff about that, too. Yeah, so I was saying last week about, uh, we are talking about Ren and Stimpy, and how, you know, it was one of the more notable cartoons of the 90s, where you could tell somebody gave a shit, you know, like, they really wanted it to be good and memorable, where especially in the 80s, cartoons were just just bad, you know, He-Man and Transformers, and it was all just to sell stuff, and I thought it was good when I was a kid, but when you look back, it's like, wow, this sucks. But then that made me think of the one cartoon, it was a little later, this was in the early 90s, but a cartoon from my youth that legitimately was good and still holds up as good was the Batman animated series. And thinking about that made me think that this could also tie into the really classic stuff we were watching, newsreels and stuff, because this 90s Batman cartoon was actually based on a 1940s Superman cartoon that played in theaters that I managed to dig up a copy of. So I thought we could watch the Batman cartoon from the 90s and then how it ties into this Superman cartoon from the 40s. And, uh, and you know, they're both pretty short and they're like, you know, just actually good. It's so rare to find cartoons for kids that don't suck. <laughs> so so that's, that was the plan for this week. Okay. Yeah, because there's so many cartoons for kids that play down to kids. Yeah. Treat them like they're kind of stupid. Where I always felt that you should treat them like they're pretty smart. Treat them like they're adults. Speak to that's why, that's why the old Bugs Bunny, Daffy Ducks, and all those cartoons are so famous. Because they didn't treat kids like they were dumb. Yeah. And arguably, I mean, I guess I don't know a ton about the history of those Warner Brother cartoons, but uh, but a lot of them were in movie theaters too, right? Like before the movies and stuff? Oh, big time, yeah. So it wasn't even just necessarily for kids. They kind of knew they needed to make it so that everybody would like it, which goes a long way because the kids will still like it anyway. And nowadays, I think like Pixar has kind of picked up that. It's, you know, it's 3D animation now, so it's different. But Pixar movies are pretty good. Like as, as an adult... When you watch them, you can see that there's layers and stuff. But then we also have all the bad ones, too. But, uh, but yeah, this Batman cartoon, it was kind of neat because uh, I remember with my main memory of this is I was in junior high at the time, and it started at noon, and we had to leave at, like, quarter afternoon from whatever friend's house I was at in Nessus to get back to school by 1230. So we could only ever watch half of Batman. It drove me nuts every day because this was like the only good cartoon that was on at the time. But uh, I mean, the brief history of Batman. So way back, Batman was dark and brooding. The Batman, he actually shoots a criminal in the very first Batman comic, which is funny because later 
they changed his story that because his parents were killed with a gun, Batman never uses guns. But in the first one, he shoots a guy. So that was, you know, not necessarily true. But then Batman, by the uh, Adam West era, was just very silly. Doing his dance, the Batusi and stuff. And, like, those are fine if you want to watch a campy, silly show. But miles away from the original dark, scary Batman. And then... And miles away from the comic. Yeah. Well, and then the comic, though, was still getting weird at that point. Like, in the 70s, there was a... What's the guy's name? Neil Adams, I believe? But it would be stuff like Batman on skis fighting the abominable snowman. Still pretty dumb. Okay. It was really in the 80s. Frank Miller brought Batman back to Earth with uh, The Dark Knight Returns. It was about Batman as an older man when he's in his 60s. And he has tried to give up being Batman, but he just can't. And that kind of brought Batman back to Earth. Like, now Batman's cool again. So this cartoon in the 90s was... Well, then uh, there was that Tim Burton Batman movie in 1989. So between Frank Miller and Tim Burton, this was kind of on that same wavelength of like, let's continue with the cool, dark Batman, but make it more for kids and more of a cartoon. But also tied into this, it's really interesting, I think, to see this old Superman cartoon from the 40s because we didn't have the internet at the time. So the whole time they were making this Batman show, it was deliberately meant to emulate this classic Superman cartoon But nobody knew that, that I knew. None of my friends knew that. And I mean, I worked at a comic store for years, and no one ever talked about this old Superman cartoon. It was just lost. And then only later did I hear about it, and I went back and looked into it. And it's amazing. I don't know why everyone forgot about it. But uh, but yeah, this Batman cartoon, shockingly good, again, for a kid's cartoon. Because they said from the outset, like, their plan was, let's make a show that when these kids watch it again, when they're grown-ups, they won't be embarrassed by it. They'll be glad that it is actually good. (laughs) So, I mean, it's like, it's the greatest fucking cartoon of the 90s. You know, Ren and Stimpy was funny, but this Batman cartoon is the actual good one. And uh, the other thing that's neat about it, this episode we're going to watch, a lot of it's about the Joker more so than Batman. And the guy who does the Joker's voice is uh, Luke Skywalker. What was that fucking guy's name? Mark Hamill. Really? <laughs> yeah. Which is just funny because I never liked Star Wars. I never liked Luke Skywalker, especially. He's such a whiny little bitch character. But in a, his like career renaissance later in his life, Mark Hamill became this cartoon voice actor, and he's awesome. He fucking rules. So this this cartoon not only is it a really good cartoon, it's the best version of the Joker. It's the best version of Batman. And it's the best version of the alter ego Bruce Wayne. It's the best of everything. And also, I think part of why it's so good, there's no Robin. Later, other people took over the show and brought in Robin, and it all went downhill because, you know, Batman is a traumatized man. You know, his parents died when he was a kid, and now he dresses up like a fucking bat and goes out at Uh night and punches criminals in the face. He's out of his mind, which is fine as long as it's just him. But when you bring in a teenage ward, you know... That's full Adam West nonsense. Like, that cannot function with a serious take on Batman. <laughs> so, so this is the sweet spot where they didn't have Robin. It's just Batman. And uh, it's, it's awesome. Okay, well, let's go for it. I always think it's funny, too, right? Because Batman's alter ego is Bruce Wayne, the rich industrialist. Like, this is how, like, you really can't justify Batman's actions. Like, he has the money and the pull for, you know, for grassroots, neighborhood-based 
helping of society. He could set up boys and girls clubs. He could do after-school programs. He could do things to make it so future generations would have less criminals in them, but he doesn't. He puts on a bad outfit and he takes two criminals and he hits their heads together and <laughs> arrests them. <laughs> yeah, but when you read a lot of the Batman things, he does do all that kind of stuff. He's a philanthropist. Yeah, I guess. So we just don't really hear about what he it is that he does, but he's yeah, a philanthropist. Gloss it over. I think though that's why those eighties Frank Miller comics were so such a, a compelling take on Batman, because Frank Miller, as he got older, became more and more of a weird old right wing crank. But that take on Batman does make sense. Because you're like, this is a man who, he doesn't want to stop crime. He wants to punch bad guys in the face. He wants revenge. Yeah. <laughs> and he's always fighting these, well, actually, I love the, the opening of this cartoon. It's so beautiful. It's just these two criminals escaping from a robbery, and Batman beats them up. And they do such a good job. And it's like, mwah, chef's kiss. But it really does, does also pinpoint why Batman is such a bizarre, lunatic, hyper-conservative, right-wing, bizarre character. He doesn't want to fix crime. He wants to punch these... Because really, when you think about the criminal side of it, these are just these... They're just like in a bad spot. They probably had a bad life their whole lives, and they're just desperately like robbing a jewelry store. Their lives aren't good. And Batman is just punching him in the face. But you know what? That <laughs> yeah. when when wrong is done in the world, and you hear okay, somebody's been murdered, and somebody else goes to prison for you know that doesn't really give the victims satisfaction. Right. But punching them in the face or punching them down or beating them probably does. But that, uh, where justice steps in and these people get sent to a nice comfy prison and maybe they're in there for life, but they get fed, they get housed, they don't have to go out and work. You know, the people who have been victimized probably don't get real satisfaction. But if they could do something like Batman, like punch those guys right out that did it, yeah, that would make you feel better. That's just human nature. And there's no question, I mean, yeah, I'm like joking about how ridiculous Batman is, but I 100% prefer Batman. Like, that's why Batman stories are fun and Superman stories are so boring because Superman's such a goody two-shoes Kansas little dickbag, <laughs> you know? Like, Superman's the better person, but who cares? <laughs> so this is from 1993. This is the episode, for anyone who wants to watch along, The Man Who Killed Batman from Batman the Animated Series. episode there's almost no batman in it <laughs> so anyway though that's an example of that show that uh man yeah i haven't seen that in a while and yeah the uh the 1940s like you're saying dick tracy style is much heavier than i remembered like, well yeah and and actually the sets are set are 1940s yeah furniture cars dress at first i just noticed the square faces and square shoulders but as you watch the show you can see that the whole set is 40s yeah, which is weird because, like, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe they just dance around it, but I'm quite sure it was intended to be contemporary, but not. You know, it's yeah. like both things at the same time. Like, it's but definitely see, that's not. that's the original Batman is in the 40s. Right. 
And so, yeah, so like this yeah. show is not set in the 40s, but it kind of is. They yeah, just kind of is. Yeah. They just kind of don't bring it up. Uh, so yeah, and again, it's like you know that show. Not only was it a kids show on at noon, it was daily. It was on every goddamn day. That was episode forty nine. They made a million of these, so it wasn't perfect. Like the animation quality could have been a little better, but considering. But it wasn't bad. Yeah, like it, it wasn't bad. It was made on the same yeah the same uh, just garbage treadmill of all those other shows of my childhood, but this one is definitely better because the animation, cartoon animation, that was being done at this time was oftentimes just. Uh, you know, like one person, one figure would be doing the movement and everything else was stationary. Yeah. Uh, but this wasn't. This this had, uh, like, as certain things were going on, there was various animation things happening in the scenes. It wasn't, uh, it was bad and pretty exciting. I can see why if I, if I was a kid uh, at lunchtime and I had to leave par- halfway through, I'd be tempted not to. I'd be yeah. tempted to just watch the whole damn thing and go to school late. And, yeah, like, at least those, like, you know, My Little Pony and Care Bears and Transformers and G.I. Joe, like, those were extra shitty, but I was also, that was the 80s when I was younger. This one, now that it was the 90s, you know, I was in junior high. I was, like, 13 years old, but it still was good enough for a 13-year-old. I'm like, fuck, yeah, <laughs> you know, I'll watch this show. And, uh, yeah, and it is also, I think, not... It's not that it didn't have merchandise. They did sell video games and toys and stuff, but it wasn't just to sell merchandise, which is what Transformers and G.I. Joe were. They were just toy commercials. Man, though, speaking of bad animation, this is also reminding me of, like, uh, the Merry Marvel Marching Society. The, like, I think they were from the 70s. Maybe they were from the 60s. But they were even worse. These, like, Marvel cartoons, they were just, just terrible. So anyway, yeah, so that show, though, we all liked it. And we thought, like, yeah, cool, Batman, right on. And then when I learned, it was years later that I first heard about these Max Fleischer Superman cartoons from the 40s. And then when I saw one, it blew my mind because it's that same style. It's just, it's Superman. And like, I worked at a comic store for years. I never heard anyone talk about these. Like, I just feel like they were just, they just got lost somehow in the shuffle. And uh, they're shorter. They're only like 10 minutes. They were theatrical, but I thought, let's... You know, that's really, that's where I was getting to with all this, is like, this is the circuitous route just so we can get back to this old Superman cartoon. And the story behind these is really interesting because they're, even for the time, you know, like we were saying how the uh, Looney Tunes cartoons, you know, were in theaters, they were pretty good quality. But this thing is beyond that. There's no, no reason for it to be this good. And I looked into it, and it turns out what happened is uh, Fleischer and his brother, they had this company making cartoons, and they were overworked. And Warner Brothers came to them and was like, do you guys want to make a Superman cartoon? And they were like, not really. Like, let's, let's quote them a price that's literally four times more than we normally would, just so they will withdraw the offer, because we don't want to do this. We're overworked and we're busy. So they did, and instead of withdrawing the offer... Warner Brothers talked them down a little bit, but they still just ended up getting paid way more for these cartoons than made any kind of fucking sense. And no one knows why. It's just it's just how the how it works. Sometimes you just ask for way too much money and these big companies are like, yeah. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> so so yeah, they didn't just pocket all the extra money. They put it into these cartoons. So these cartoons are like immaculate, you know, perfect. The only problem is they're Superman, and, uh, you know, Superman's just not as interesting as Batman. But I also learned something about these that, uh, you know, one of my biggest problems with Superman is, like, the basic premise is is okay, that he's, 
you know, an alien who grew up in Kansas with nice Midwestern parents, and now he's trying to integrate into, you know, human society. And the the idea I always liked with Superman is, you know, with Batman, it's like Batman is the alter ego of Bruce Wayne, where Superman's the opposite. Clark Kent is the alter ego of Superman. Superman's the real guy. He's an alien. He's got to pretend to be Clark Kent so he can fit in with us little nobodies. Yeah. <laughs> it's a neat idea. It just so rarely ever produces interesting results because Superman is invincible and he can fly and bullets bounce off of him. And it's like, what is the point of this? But initially he wasn't that strong. He was just a strong guy. You know, can... Uh, Faster than a speeding locomotive. He can leap over tall buildings with a single bound. Like, he didn't used to be able to fly, for example. And it turns out, basically, the reason why he can fly is this cartoon's fault. Because they tried to animate him leaping over buildings, and it looked bad. So they requested, like, can we just make him fly? Because it looks way better if he can fly. And they're like, yeah, go ahead. So ever since, Superman has been able to fly. And it just gets worse and worse. You know, now he's like in uh, well, 2000. Well, does Kryptonite still do him in, or has he bypassed that too? <laughs> it does, yeah. And there is a suspiciously large amount of Kryptonite available <laughs> to people. <laughs> because cause Kryptonite, it is like the remnants of his uh, his destroyed planet. But somehow everybody's got a little bit... But yeah, like, uh, but like the power creep of Superman has gotten to the point that there was this Superman movie, and I think it was the 2006 one, where he basically he just wanted to go see the remnants of Krypton of his exploded planet, so he basically just holds his breath and flies there, like Superman can hold his breath for four years and fly through space to look at some rubble and fly back. Like, what is the point of telling a story about this character, you know? It's ridiculous. That's my biggest problem with Superman. I just never got the the power fantasy of it. It's so off the charts, it's ridiculous. But it obviously works for people because he's yeah. still the most he's, famous superhero. He's still popular. Yeah. Incredibly popular. So, yeah, so this is, I'm not sure, I'm not sure how many of these they made or which episode this is. I don't know anything about this. It's just, it's the episode that's on uh, archive.org if anybody wants to watch this. Somebody went through and digitally remastered this, like, to make it as pristine as they can. So this is as close as we can get to how it looked when you saw this as a, in the theaters in 1941. So, yeah, this is one of the, the Max Fleischer Superman cartoons that, uh, yeah, again, just... Those are the two main things, I guess, that I think are interesting about it, is it's their fault he can fly, <laughs> so that sucks, but it's also so neat that they just overcharge like crazy, and uh, Warner Brothers was like, go ahead, so we got this this really cool Superman cartoon that for some reason people don't remember anymore. I think maybe it's because it's in the public domain now, too, so maybe... Warner Brothers just has no reason to be promoting this. Like, you can still buy those Batman cartoons on Blu-ray, but you can't buy the Superman thing, so I guess there's no point in keeping it in the public consciousness. So it's just... just faded away. I guess, uh... I also guess I don't know my Superman history and stuff, so it's not Warner Brothers. This is Paramount. I don't know. I don't know. Well, you know that Superman... I think it's 1937 or 1938 that he was created, and it was a Canadian, a, a Canadian guy. Yeah, one of the two was a Canadian to some degree, or half Canadian or something. Outside of Toronto, and right. uh, actually made the first Superman comic books. 
and then sold them to somebody in the States. I, I don't remember who it was. But you have to remember, again, at the time that it was done, the world was coming out of a depression. They were on the doorstep of World War II. You know, you had Mussolini and Hitler just ready to blast off and become the, the newest uh, emperors of the world, uh, evil. And here you get this super character who can do anything and who can defeat evil all by himself. So, you know, when you kind of put it into that time frame of what was going on in the world and how uh, I'm sure there were a whole lot of people who felt so helpless against things and the world was pretty black because they had just, you know, even though the depression was over, a lot of people were still living in a very depressed financial state and now you have this superhero and if you're a kid and you're living in a family let's say or, or the, 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 your society that's everything is like oh you know oh, there's no jobs and there's no this and there's no that and you got socialism coming and communism and all this stuff happening and there's this guy and he can defeat everything and he is good <laughs> yeah it kind of yeah everybody would jump on the bandwagon and want to be part of this or be connected with it. And so, yeah, you'd get movie guys who'd say, yeah, I'll pay whatever you want, whatever you want, because this guy is popular. There's also stuff, too, that uh, it's sometimes it's surprising the origin of stuff is a lot less abstract than you might think. Like, you just take the Superman outfit for granted. But it turns out with Superman in particular, the first one, that if you look up strongmen from, like, the 20s and the 30s, that's what they wore. They yep. wore trunks over their tights over their and tights, yeah. little capes. So that's all. Like Superman, it wasn't even an original design. He was just designed to look like a strong man from a circus. So it's like, it's nice to know that it came from somewhere, but it's like surprisingly bland when you learn where it came from. <laughs> but if you put it at the time when it was created and you think like it's brighter, colors are brighter and it's a lot of stuff happens in daylight in Superman. Now, when you compare that with Batman, who is it, it, very dark, everything's in the dark. Well, if you are coming out of a period of like blackness and depression, you don't want to go and watch black. You want to go and see bright. So Superman, yes, would, would certainly come to the foreground. Yeah. And he did. And then, yeah, I do think it does make more sense that like when Batman, when Batman really came of his own, in those 80s comics Frank Miller did, it's like, yeah, we're like waiting for the midnight nuclear clock to tick and like everything is creepy and weird. <laughs> and Batman is always, a, you get the sense of being a troubled soul, whereas Superman is not. Super, right. Superman is, there's black and white in the world and he is white. Batman, there's black and white and a whole lot of gray. <laughs> well, that's also something I meant to bring up with Batman before we get into this Superman cartoon. The stuff in that episode was kind of neat about the Joker. The Joker was really quite broken up that Batman was dead because uh, that's one theory I always liked because it does make sense. Like People say, like, why doesn't Batman ever kill anyone? He just is like arrests them pathetically because they just get thrown in Arkham Asylum and they just escape over and over. But the theory I heard that does kind of make sense is, so Batman was first, but he's taking vigilante justice to a... A cartoonish level pun intended you know he's dressing up like a bat and he's fighting people so that example once that starts spreading around Gotham that this guy's doing that 
that kind of gives guys like the Joker and the Riddler and the Penguin carte blanche to become as silly as Batman is. They give each other permission to do this silly shit. And then now that there are the Riddler and the Joker and the Penguin and whoever, it makes Batman even more... It gives Batman more reason to keep doing what he's doing because now he's got to fight these these over-the-top villains that the the police force is not prepared to, to deal with. So it's like they they allow each other like batman needs the criminals and the criminals need batman because they uh, they um what's the word for for? each other yeah and they just like they just uh enable each other's mania (laughs) you know so that's why batman never kills the joker he needs the joker so he can keep running around in his underwear punching people (laughs) you know which is like kind of true Jeez, take some rating. Put some rating right myself. <laughs> so I guess that must have been the first one because they explained about Krypton and everything. And yes, yeah, so that's the first thing that was a little weird is uh, no mom, pa Kent. He just grew up in an orphanage. And they did show during the opening, he leaps over a sing- building in a single bound. And it did look weird. I can, like, flying did look way better. Yeah. <laughs> like, like that's probably the scene but geez yeah like as far as the power creep of superman if he just every time he gets stronger you can't take it back this is only 1941 and he's already getting he's punching rockets he's getting shot directly by lasers and then he uh yeah tied up the nozzle of the cannon like you're saying and just tears apart a steel structure like it's nothing he was already, by 1941, irredeemably overpowered. Straightens this... out a, a skyscraper that is <laughs> yeah, bending. <laughs> Just stops the whole building, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, like that's exactly why I don't like Superman. That's a load of hooey. But the actual cartoon, it was neat to see. Like, what a... What a weird, cool thing. Uh, different than the, of course, the uh, the Batman one, though. Of course, it was much shorter than the Batman one. But the Batman one actually had a bit of a like a plot. Right. This really doesn't have a much of a plot, other than that the mad scientist has got this laser thing and he's going to destroy the world. Period. Yeah, especially. I mean, I do think it's really weird to lose the Ma and Pa Kent thing because if there's any point to Superman, that's that's it. It's that he has the reason he has these midwestern values is because he grew up on a farm without that who is this psychopath (laughs) like it makes him even less of a character really weird but yeah i think it's neat even though like that cartoon uh, you know it's neat to see it's certainly not great it's of the time it's very uh gumby looking and everything is very strange really well done though but uh but it's so neat to think that those guys, uh, their names are Bruce Tim and Paul Dini, who made the Batman cartoon, that they're such cartoon nerds that when they were developing this Batman cartoon in the 90s, that must be what they said to each other. Like, hey, did you ever see that old Superman thing? What if we could do that, but with Batman? That'd be so cool. And then they did. <laughs> and it was. <laughs> well, I'm surprised that Warner Brothers or whoever it was that made that paid a whole lot of extra money because it was, I mean, it was okay. But... 
I imagine too, it must be one of those things like we take Superman so for granted now, everybody knows Superman, but in 1941, it was probably worth the money just to, just to really solidify this thing. Like maybe you've heard of him a bit, maybe you've seen the comic books around, but if you can just get this in front of everybody's face, the radio serials obviously too were a thing at this point, but this, this would help solidify your your intellectual property, you know? If and you're... this was probably, because of its length, what would you say it was 10 minutes? Yeah, 10 or 11. This was probably shown as part of, like, an intro to a kid's Saturday afternoon matinee, right. uh, western show or something that would have been an hour and a half long. This would have been the the introduction, like we what we see now, the little the little cartoons that kind of come before a movie, that was probably what this was. And if you think of it that way, too, I mean, uh, you know, say you're watching some really low-budget adventure movie, you know, that maybe really was kind of shitty. When you left the theater at the end of the day, your overriding memory might be like, remember how cool that Superman cartoon was? Let's go to the fucking, you know, let's go buy some Superman comics (laughs) on the way home. Like, I can see that. Because, yeah, like, by nowadays standards... It's kind of weird, and uh, and yeah, it's not as good as the Batman cartoon. It's better animation quality, but everything else was worse. But at the time, especially if you're watching like a black and white movie and you saw that in color, I mean, yeah, you'd be like, "Fuck yeah, Superman!" <laughs> you know, it's all relatives. So. And remember too that like now when we do a lot of those characters, you want to get into the psychological thing as to why they are like they are the angst that they feel. This was very simple, you know? There's the bad guy, he's going to destroy the world, and Superman's going to save it. That's it. That's all there is to it. And that's all you want. If you want uh, something that just makes people feel good, that there is some hope in the world, there's your man, Superman. You don't need to get into all this, how, how troubled he was because he had to leave his planet as a child and he had to grow up in an orphanage and... How he discovered his his um, powers and you know yeah you just want him to save the world that's all yeah <laughs> although I mean I do think uh, I'm glad that the world in general though does want more than that I mean like Batman's a good example there's a lot more going on but with see, Batman that came later but not a ton later because I was gonna say the two big companies Marvel and DC DC's whole thing is gods Wonder Woman is a god Green Lantern is a god. And yeah, like I couldn't tell you a thing about them. They're all just Superman over and over and over. And then Marvel came out and was like, hey, how about Spider-Man? Spider-Man is a teen. He's got his own problems and his uncle gets killed. And that became way more popular. And to this day is more popular and is better. (laughs) Way better. A lot of those cartoons came in the 1950s. And by that time, World War II was over. And everything in North American world particularly was looking better. Financially, people were making more money. People had cars. People had TVs. There was just more money. Um, this one, it done in 1941. As I said, they people had just come out of a depression, and now they were involved in a world war and had yeah. no idea how it was going to end up. They have no and space every, in their brain for a character to have a personality. Well, and every day <laughs> you'd hear about the evil in the world, the evil in the world, the evil in the world, which was very real. So to have just somebody who just would come and save the world, and that's all. Right. Um, I could see that being a real big hit with kids. And their parents would like it, too, because 
Yeah, their kids were going to see something real wholesome. They were admitting there was evil in the world, but there was somebody who would fix the evil in the world, period. Right. So you'd send your kids off to the movies and say, yeah, go watch that show. Go buy a Superman comic book. Well, it is weird, too, yeah, because, like, also I guess there's that um, underlying worry that, uh, you know, the McCarthyism and stuff that came after that of just, like, who knows. If you, if you buy something with subtext... You have to worry about what the subtext is, <laughs> where there is no subtext to Superman. Like a great example is uh, with Marvel later, the X-Men, that, uh, you know, they're, they look just like us. They look normal, but they have a mutant gene and whatever. And they're not loved like these previous superheroes are loved. The X-Men are all feared and hated because no one can tell who's a mutant and who isn't. And when you realize that that's just like an allegory for gay people, it's like, of course, it's so obvious, but you don't think about it. But that's like hidden in there. And like all these gay people now talk about how when they were kids, like they loved the X-Men because it was in there. And yeah, I can see how in 1941, you don't want any risk of your kid getting some weird commie pinko ideas. (laughs) You just just read Superman and there's no... (laughs) Because there's enough crap going on in the world and you're worried enough about stuff that if you know your kid is just reading something like a nice, clean Superman comic where everything is black and white and white wins, hey, you feel quite comfortable with that. 